As we deal with the seven-sealed scroll in Revelation chapter 6, we actually see six of the seals broken in this chapter. The seventh won't be broken until Revelation chapter 8. The one breaking the seals is the Lamb of God. And it's interesting how when he breaks the seals, it parallels a sermon that Jesus gave called the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. We're going to be matching that up as we move through Revelation 6 and look at the future of our world, the time of trouble leading up to the day of the Lord. We'll deal with the seven-sealed scroll today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's part two of Revelation 6, The Seven Seals. Go to Matthew 24, and I would just encourage you, hold a spot in Matthew 24, because I want to see if what Jesus says mirrors what John says. So let's take a look. Matthew 24, we're going to look at verse 6. Jesus says, after he addresses the first part of this, he says, verse 6, Matthew 24, you will be hearing of what? Of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Now, the second horse and rider is war. And Jesus said, you will be hearing of war. So I think so far we can see a symmetry. Would you agree? You could write in your Bible, seal number two from Revelation 6, and Jesus says, but it's not yet the end. The end is not yet. Write this down for your notes. This is Daniel 12, 13. The last verse of the book of Daniel says, as for you, go your way to the end, that you will enter rest, enter into rest, and rise again, for your allotted portion is at the end of the age. Daniel 12, verse 13. Take a peek at Matthew 13, just a little ways back. Matthew 13, take a look at me, with me, and not at me, but with me, <laughs> um, to verse 39 of Matthew 13. Verse 39, Matthew 13. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is what? Is the end of the age. The reapers are angels. Now, this end of the age phrase I would, I would tell you that I believe that's simply another way to say the day of the Lord. He's going to end the age, if you will. Therefore, just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so it shall be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks, those who commit lawlessness. will cast them into the furnace of fire. In that place there shall be weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field or that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Skip down to verse 49 for the sake of time. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will cast them, the wicked, into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Now, Jesus said when he comes, he's going to come in the glory of his Father and with all his angels. That's Matthew 25. I think it's verse 31. And the angels are going to be very involved in the last days. The angels are involved with the rapture, as we will see, and they're involved with the judgment of God. We can see angels involved uh, in other parts in the Bible in carrying off Lazarus into Abraham's uh, bosom or Abraham's bosom in Luke 16. We can also see angels carrying out God's bidding and so forth uh, in terms of judgment. And so they're going to be very involved. Now, so far we've seen a symmetry, and we're going to go back to Revelation 6 and see what happens with this third seal now. So you got Revelation 6, we're in verse 5. I'm I'm moving a bit methodically because I want you to catch the drift of where we're headed. So when he broke, Jesus breaking again the third seal, seal number 3. I heard the third living creature in parallel with the third rider saying, come or be going. And I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. A pair of scales refers to something for weighing. So everybody look up at the screen. White horse, red horse, black horse. The implement, a little hard to see on the screen, but you'll notice in his right hand, he has a pair of scales. And the pair of scales in his hand are for measuring. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures. We're in the throne room, so many believe this is the voice of God, saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, that is, a whole day's work for a loaf of bread, basically, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Oil and wine, the staples of the day, some say for the wealthy and not so much for the poor. The rider on the black horse has scales. He measures out wheat and barley, two of the major crops in the spring for Israel. And he, this black horse symbolizes famine, famine. Um, a quart translates a Greek word which measures about a liter, uh, one and, I think it's one and a half to two pints. The black horse symbolizes famine. One quart of wheat would be enough for only one person. Three quarts of the less nutritious barley would be barely enough for a small family. The idea here is famine has severely inflated prices at least 10 times their normal level. When you have military conquest and war and men slaying each other, and in ancient times especially, the land would be ravaged in war, crops would be damaged in times of war, you would expect that after war comes what? Famine. We can even see in some places today where bombing has taken place or there's been civil wars in certain lands and there's probably over 100 wars still going on in our world, even now, what happens? Devastation to buildings, devastation to industry, devastation to crops. Obviously, people die. And so often the result of this is famine. Oil and wine may mean that the rich are still doing okay, but the common or the poor people are not doing well at all. Now, back to Matthew 24, let's take a peek at what Jesus said would happen next. We've seen seal, seals 1 and 2, Matthew 24. Look in your Bible with me at verse 7. Matthew 24, verse 7. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be what? Famines and Earthquakes. I think you can safely write in your Bible, seal number three, famines are mentioned there. 
as a result of war, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And then Jesus says something sobering. But all these things are merely what? The beginning of birth pangs. Now, I am always cautious to speak about pregnancy in a room filled with women. But I will say this. My understanding of labor is that labor pains begin and intensify as you get closer and closer to giving birth. So the beginning of birth pangs is kind of like when your wife says, ooh, 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 something's happening, and you boil water. Who knows why? <laughs> right? You run around. You make sure the, the bag is packed, all that stuff, right? Sometimes it's a false alarm. But it, it's a signal. The signal, unless it's a false alarm, is in a matter of hours, that baby is coming. Birth pangs are a sign. Now, as they intensify, I think all ladies would say, no fun, uh, would like a pass, <laughs> would like, what do they call that thing? It's the thing that you say you're not going to take until you're in pain. And then you say, no, give it to me now. And then you yell at your husband, you did this, <laughs> and all that, but we won't go there tonight. But what we know is when a child's born, Jesus said when a child, when a woman's in labor, she, she's grieved over her pain. Turn back to Revelation 6. But when the child is born into the world, what does she do? She forgets about what she went through for the joy of the child. Here's the parallel. The time of Daniel's 70th week is going to be a time of great trial. But it's going to be like a birthing process. The birth pangs will be forgotten when the new life is here. Everybody with me so far? That's the parallel that Jesus uses. Now the question so far is, well, who's going through the trouble? <laughs> who's the trouble for? Who's the birth pangs for? Who's Jesus talking to? I mean, that's a key question. Let's take a look at seal number four. We'll only move halfway through the chapter tonight. When he broke the fourth seal, Revelation 6-7, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come or be going. And I looked and behold an ashen horse. Some would call this the pale, the famous pale horse. And he who sat on it had the name death and Hades was following with him. Now, if you look up at the screen for a second, the fourth horse and rider is the famous pale horse. Um, the color in Greek is green some say it's a sickly green, so it, it could have the idea of illness. You know, when you're not feeling good or you're about to get sick in that sense, you know, you can be kind of pale or greenish. Uh, but here, the one sitting on the fourth horse is death, and he has no implement. He doesn't need one because he is death itself. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. 
Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. You know, when you're not feeling good or you're about to get sick in that sense, you know, you can be kind of pale or greenish. Uh, But here, the one sitting on the fourth horse is death. And he has no implement. He doesn't need one because he is death itself. And what follows with him is Hades, which is called the abode of what? The abode of the dead is Hades. So Hades follows with him, just kind of, I think, here a symbol of who he is. So maybe that is his symbol. Hades was following with him. And authority was what? Given to him. Again, the divine passive. God's in control, giving authority, given to to them now. So it it combines the them with death and Hades, or some would argue that the fourth horse and rider is a combination of all the first three. Antichrist, you have war, you have famine, and it culminates in authority given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill and you have a summation, a summarizing of these, all these riders and horses to kill with what? Sword, famine, and pestilence, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now, this mention of the wild beasts of the earth has brought up a lot of speculation. Some say, does this mean that in the last days, animals will lose control and dominate? Some of you, what was that series that came out? The zoo, right? And the animals, you know, start going, going crazy. Some say the wild beast of the earth is a way, another way of saying the Antichrist and the false prophet, who are identified as what? Beasts. So we do see that. Others say that there's an early letter written about 75 years after the book of Revelation was written. It's, um, I'll try to get you the name here in a second. It was written by an early, uh, church father or church writer who, who uses similar language to describe the beasts in the Colosseum, that when early Christians were facing persecution and martyrdom, they were often brought into the Colosseum and fed what? To the wild beasts. If you've seen the movie Gladiator, awesome movie, you see um, some of that imagery there, and you can see how frightening that could be. Well, wild beasts would have, uh, the language is the same, I'll just say it this way in Greek. And all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to take you and introduce seal number five, and we'll wrap up. Revelation 6, verse 9 says, when he broke the fifth seal. So we've seen the summation now. We see the fifth seal broken John says, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. Now, just Bible students, think with me for a second. This may, be, this may make the case that the best interpretation for the wild beast is the image of the Colosseum. Because the next verse says, I saw the souls of those who had been what? Slain because of the word of God. They wouldn't recant and because of the testimony which they what? They maintained. They would not recant. They would not say, I don't believe in Christ under severe pressure. 
What did John see? He saw their souls. You have a soul. Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You have a soul. Jesus said, don't fear him who can kill your body, but him who can ruin your soul in the deepest part of Hades. Matthew 10, I think it's verse 28. So we're seeing souls underneath the altar, which indicates to me that you have a soul. And number two, I don't think we've had a rapture yet, a resurrection or a rapture yet, because it's souls that are there. So I think we are well into Daniel's 70th week. In fact, I'm going to argue we are way past the midpoint, the three and a half years, and I'll, I'll give you more next time we're together. And we see souls under the altar. And here's the, the other thing to consider. When you're just wrestling with your timing of the rapture kind of stuff, if all of Revelation 6 is the wrath of God, why is the fifth seal martyrdom of Christians who won't recant their faith in the face of the ultimate pressure. That, brothers and sisters, is not the wrath of God. That's the wrath of Satan, the wrath of man. God does not kill his own children. Now you, some of you would argue, but Ananias and Sapphira, he killed them. Oh, he did, because they lied and were disobedient. This group will not recant their faith in Jesus Christ or their belief in Christ or the gospel in the face of the ultimate test. Everybody with me? Martyrdom, the fifth seal, well into Daniel's 70th week, is not the wrath of God. I'm going to submit to you, and I'll give you more on this next Wednesday because we are out of time, that the wrath of God has not begun yet, which then argues that the rapture doesn't have to begin yet, because God's people are not appointed to wrath, but that doesn't mean they won't face persecution. Everybody with me? There's a big difference between persecution and wrath. Jesus said you're going to go through tribulation in this world, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So we're going to have to just be thinking as those who are trying to weigh our timing of the rapture, eschatology, uh, what's the famous series of... Uh, all those books, what are they called? What, is it, what are they called? <laughs> left Behind series. We're going to have to see if the Left Behind series is right or if there's another view to consider. In the end, the timing of the rapture is only going to really matter to the final generation, right? So again, we're, we're not going to make more of it than what it is. But I think it is intriguing to start to consider some of this data and just honestly wrestle with the scriptures and just kind of see what the timing is going to be. Some of you have asked my, me questions about, well, why do you hold, I hold a pre-wrath rapture view. I'm not a pre-tribber. I'm not a post-tribber. I'm not a mid-tribber. I hold a pre-wrath view. Some of you have asked me, Pastor Michael, what does that mean? And do you believe that the church is going to go through? I don't believe the church is going through wrath. But I do believe the church potentially is going to face tribulation or persecution. See the difference? So that, that is part of what we're just going to consider. I have the pulpit, so I get to share my view. <laughs> if somebody else had the pulpit, they might share a different view. You all know that. It's an in-house debate, and I love other people who hold the view and have a great amount of respect for people who hold other views. Walter Martin held a post-trib view. He's one of my heroes. Did I believe he was wrong on the rapture? Yes. Other of my heroes hold pre-trib views, like Chuck Smith, who's now with the Lord. 
Great respect for Chuck. I don't agree. But again, this is not an essential doctrine. But, but I've wrestled with this and, and you know, I've held different views. I held the preacher view for a lot of years. And I'm just going to present to you, don't get too excited or frazzled about it. It'll be okay. <laughs> All right? We're just going to go through the scriptures. Here's what we know. Jesus is coming. Yes. He's coming again. We know how the story ends. Yes. And we know that we just need to trust him. Whatever happens, whatever generation this is, where this is going to happen, whether it's 100 years away, 1,000 years away, or 10 years away, we're just going to keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, thank you so much for the book of Revelation. It's so filled with intriguing, <laughs> deep stuff. But thank you that we can study it and find our answers in the word of God and know that ultimately, God, uh, you are coming Jesus, you are coming. You're going to be on a white horse and you're going to rescue your bride and you're going to judge the unbelieving world for all that they've done to your bride. And they've, man, the world has done, Satan has done a lot of damage, not to, just to thinking just of the church, but thinking of the nation of Israel and thinking of all the, all the damage that's been done against you and against your, your bride. And one day you're going to come to make it right. And man, you have been patient, Lord. You have been so patient. There's been so much sin, so much dastardly, so many dastardly deeds done against your people. And you have waited, but you store up, you know, and there's going to be a day when you come. And I pray that anyone who doesn't know you would repent of sin and just trust you now. Because we certainly don't want to face your wrath. We don't want to face... Uh, our God, who the Bible says is a consuming fire. We want to know we're cloaked in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, uh, cleansed by his blood, saved, secure. And we are if we're in Christ. And if you don't know him, I would just encourage you, run to him, open your heart right now. Don't let your head hit the pillow tonight without settling this eternal question. Your soul is way too valuable. Just cry out to him, Lord Jesus, I believe, I trust you. Thank you that you were slain for me, that you shed your blood. I believe you conquered sin, death, and the grave through the resurrection. Through your death on the cross, your resurrection, I trust you. I turn from my sin, I turn to you. If you need to just do some business with the Lord as a believer, maybe you've been a bit wayward, you've gone south a little bit, you've been a prodigal, just come home. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe there's pain in your heart. Maybe you've been disappointed by Christians. We understand. He understands, but just come home. And Lord, as we uh, study your word, just thank you that you have given us hope. You've told us in advance. And uh, we just thank you that you're on your throne reigning. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, friend, if you haven't been following the Lord, you know, one of the reasons that Revelation is in our Bible is to stir us back to true worship of our God. And difficult times, trying times, like we're in right now, really, admittedly as a country, we're at a very difficult time looking at world events, looking at prophecy fulfilled in front of our eyes. This is a tough time. But the book of Revelation was meant to draw us back to the Lord of the church, back to the King of kings and Lord of lords, back to the one who is reigning on his throne. And I pray that that's been the case for you. Hey, if you need some help, if you need some prayer, 
If you want to just tell us your story and ask us to pray for you, reach out to us today at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Hey, guys, I've been inviting you to some of the things at Living Truth Christian Fellowship that are happening in the church in Corona. And a couple times I've invited the men out to a men's breakfast, but this time I'd like to focus on the ladies, specifically kind of a specialty ministry that we have going at Living Truth, and it's called Beauty for Ashes. And it's for women who uh, have been through a divorce or maybe going through a divorce. It's always a sad hard and tragic time when divorce occurs. And this is a fellowship group ministering to one another if you happen to be in that situation. Now, find out more information. You can go to the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app, download it from the App Store, look for the red logo with the pillars. This is something that happens from 9.30 to 11 in the morning. And if you happen to be going through something like this right now, going through divorce, you've been through divorce, you feel like you either need to be ministered to, you can minister to somebody or both. Come on out, check it out. Beauty for Ashes. You can find out all the information when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store, or you can call the church office during normal business hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We hope to see you there. Now come back tomorrow as we'll begin in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 6 and examining the fifth and the sixth seals of the book of Revelation. Some heavy stuff, but some stuff we need to hear about. And we'll find out more tomorrow on Walk in Truth. Until then, may God bless you. We'll see you then. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.